Hello, my name is Ed Palmer from 212 Radio and welcome to Internal Communications in the Raw, the podcast from the Institute of Internal Communications. Now, as the title implies, this pod is all about getting into the difficult questions and the tough, nitty-gritty answers within our industry. On this episode, we have Charlotte Maines, who is Head of Communication at Scandinavian bank Nordea. There's so much to be learned from Nordea's internal comms practice during the pandemic, and be sure to listen out for some brilliant insights and innovations into the value and importance of aligning internal and external communications teams. I really think we're all probably going to end up doing what they're doing in this area. So listen out for that. Anyway, over to Jen. Hello and welcome everybody to today's IOIC podcast. I am Jennifer Sproul, the Chief Exec of the Institute, and I'm delighted to introduce my co-host this morning. Hello, Don. Hi, Jen. Uh, my name is Dominic Walters. I'm a, a leadership uh, communication consultant, and also I work with Jen on the governance group for the Institute. Thank you, Dom. And today we're delighted to welcome our guest, Charlotte Maines, who is based over in Copenhagen, where I believe the sun is shining today, and joins us from Nordia. So welcome, Charlotte. Thank you very much, Jen. Yes, I'm the head of communication at Nordia, one of our areas, which is the HR organization. They're an organization of 500 people within Nordea, which is a an organization of 30,000 employees, approximately. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, it's probably no uh, no understatement to say that uh, the past year has been very tough for everyone, but it'd be great to hear what particular communication challenges that you faced at Nordia and how you've tackled them. And I, and I guess within that, what have been some of the great successes and what, if any, have been some of the missteps or, or things that uh, you can learn from? Like everyone everywhere else, uh, the coronavirus and the situation there really came as one of the crises, I think it's fair to say, uh, also related to how we handle communication. I think one of the things that happened there is that, first of all, we were in a lucky situation in, in two different ways, because first of all, our crisis management team was already in place. We had started a lot of the restrictions even before our countries were closed down. We were, as a company, already in the forefront digitally, which meant that, of course, it still took a lot of effort from the heroes from our technology department to actually get us going. But we could easily send home and we sent home, I think, over the time, we can see an average of 70% of our employees have been working from home over the time. And the other part of this, of course, is that we are a rather big communication team. And what we could there was to really get all people on deck. So we immediately created that you know, core team of people who decided how we're going to go about it. So some of the successes we really managed there were obviously seen just a few months later in our people pulses, where we could see that people really felt that, yes, the uh, information from the top have improved quite a lot over the time, and not least the mentions we have from the corona information. People were really happy with both the very rational part of the communication, but also that we included so much of the more emotional part of it. That seemed important to people. Did we have any missteps? Of course we did. <laughs> First of all, I mean, we're starting in a crisis. I mean, we're running around like hens and chickens with no heads and trying to get it all together, which we succeeded to a large extent. But at the same time, it was really at some point made a word cloud on how was this period. And I mean, it was all about quickly crisis changing. It was really, really hectic. But that also means that 
or at least after some time we saw, especially on the well-being part of our employees, that was difficult for us to tackle how to communicate and make sure that was actually in place. I think that's one of the places where we must say that communication is difficult. We really rely on our middle managers and for them to succeed with this. That is still today, I think, the main challenge we have in how do we make all of that part work. We know that uh, people listening to these podcasts are very interested in how we activate le leaders and managers to be communicators. So just briefly, how did you do that? How have you equipped them to do that? First of all, we, we got everyone together, the well-being team, the uh, HR organization, the communication parts. Connecting all of that was one thing that was really helpful. Then I think we were really, we were again really lucky when this arrived. We had actually just won the Gartner Award on uh, doing a very distinct uh, leadership program. So, so we had a lot of tools in place. We had a lot of processes in place. We had a lot of trainings, online trainings, not least. So we could so easily push some of that training out to our leaders. And I think that was so appreciated. We changed from where we had like quarterly leadership calls. First of all, we had for the top 100 level, but we quickly made it into as well, having country-wise calls with the CMT heads participating there and giving all leaders the main messages on what's going on right now, what is the status in each of our countries, what are we doing group-wise, what is it are we doing at this local market, which meant that we had quite a good onboarding of the leaders all the time. So I think at least once a month they had these calls and in between we updated a leader channel we have on our intra. Obviously, COVID-19 has been a global pandemic, and we've talked very much previously about what we've done in our organisations in the UK, but Nordia has several offices in several different countries, um, countries which probably had their own approach to COVID-19. And so how did you manage to coordinate communications across so many different country locations? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because that was a challenge. You can say the first challenge was to actually get that together. So that was the first challenge immediately when the crisis arised. There we had to get everyone together. And I think within, I don't know, the first month or so, we actually managed and said, okay, we're going to do everything from the group level and then only with a few touches to the local markets. And that worked for a while. I think we did that for a few months, maybe three months, where we could see there are so many similarities on what's going on. And we had to, you know, guidelines on traveling, guidelines on remote work. What do we do with all of the employees in the branches? Do we close down branches or do we not? And actually, the one on the branches was probably the one that then led to, okay, now we're going into a local communication instead. So we actually changed it along the way from the very close steering from the group to a more local communication. Uh, you know, at least the differences between Sweden chose one strategy, Finland, Norway, and Denmark chose another. So we changed along the way. You know, there's a huge coordination, facilitation, logistic around who needs to know what, when. Well, linked with that, we, we talked a, a moment or two ago about middle managers, if you like, and how you've activated them for communication. But, of course, the top team, the senior people, are going to be vastly important in this sort of situation, particularly against the backdrop you've described of different countries having different approaches. So how did you involve those senior leaders, the top team, and equip them to play their part in the communication? We have a communication partner for each of our senior leaders, which means that actually they have quite sufficient help and they are asking quite a lot of the support from there. 
But then, of course, we got them together and say, okay, how are we going to do that? And we had, of course, our CEO and our uh, CPO, Chief People Officer, to be one of the strong communicators from the beginning. Then it's cascading like, like you know it all the time, and I guess all companies do, like really instructing them as well in just what is it that is needed to inform. And maybe just to share one small thing which has proven to be really helpful was that since we are such a huge organization, we have like 3,000 leaders. We actually just did a small tagging of all of our documents saying, is this for your own information? Is this something we want you to have a dialogue with your team about? Is it something we just want you to inform your team about? Is it something that's confidential? That was so helpful. Then that is actually a very, very simple step to take and easy for you to implement. Yes, thanks, Charlotte. We love we love walking away with, with good tips like that. But your role also covers external as well as internal communication. We talk a lot about how they need to work better together um, and support each other. So from your experience, how can the two best support each other? One of the structures, just a structural thing we've done is to create what is called an editorial office. So they are actually in the middle of external and internal. So every piece of content, all the writing, all the video productions, etc., they go through those editorial office, very strong part of their job to make sure we actually get those connections. But that being said, I mean, nothing goes without the willingness to actually connect with each other and coordinate each other. And I think one of the best things you can always do is to, no matter where you sit, consider the other part as well and say, okay, I have this piece. Is it relevant to use for external communication? Or I have this piece from the external. Is there anything I should really do internally as well with this to get some of my internal stakeholders on board? There's no way around it other than actually getting to talk to each other and making sure you're willing to do that. I've never heard someone with that sort of team that sits between the internal and the external. Can I just ask, does that team, do they report to both sides or is it just seen as sort of a a joint way and a willingness to work? So the team, of course, has a leader and that leader has a reporting line to both the internal and the external part. And it came, of course, out of that we as well saw that, okay, we have someone working on the external, someone in the internal. How come we don't take the benefit of using the content both? Or how come we don't make sure that that messaging actually goes out so aligned as it should? That's brilliant. Thank you, Charlotte. So building a bit on that, because I guess one of the objectives of the Institute is to build the profession of internal communication. So it'd be great to get a perspective from the Danish or the Scandinavian view on you know, how is internal communication seen in your market uh, and what are some of the key challenges that internal communication practitioners face? Yeah, um, to be honest, I, I mean, I've been in this business as well for some years now. And and I think actually it does get a more and more distinct place everywhere. We are moving a bit from, you know, being those operational guys who just do the video or write the article or something into, okay, we're an important part of making change happen. And since we're getting into that mood, then we get a seat at the table. Does it mean we have overcome all of the barriers? No. I mean, I can see some of the changes that we see more and more of the job ads, which includes a lot on change and internal communication. But we also see that still most ads start by having, we need someone who's responsible of our brand externally. And by the way, we also need you for the internal part. But I think it is moving. You can see it even there. 
But the challenge is, of course, leadership communication is still the main chunk we really need to get a hold of because internal communication is still seen as very much related to the different channels like intranet and Yammer and stuff like that. Whereas when we talk about the leadership communication, you still have to prove that's actually something which can move communication somewhere. One of the things we've seen in the UK, I think, is that that the whole COVID experience over the last year or so has, despite all its very many downsides, it's actually been a bit of a boost for internal communication because organizations have had to turn to it. What's your experience of that? I don't see, at least in Nordea, it necessarily changed a lot because we were already in a good place. But we can definitely see that the way it's valued by our employee is increasing a lot. Of course, this was an extremely relevant opportunity for us to prove the worth of internal communication. So I think maybe it's in that order for at least here in at Nordea. Nevertheless, when I talk to my peers in all of the other countries, I can definitely hear you're right. I think the same is going on there. So encouraging to see, I think, you know, what we felt in the UK is mirroring elsewhere and picking up on this kind of growing the profession and professionalizing internal communication and, and making it really a career of choice. One of the things that IOIC is also doing around that is trying to go out to school leavers, undergraduates connecting with the universities to encourage people to consider internal communication as a career of choice and understand what it means and and the opportunities it gets. So what would you say to someone starting their career now? Why should they consider going into internal communication? Yeah, I really love that question because actually I am participating in one of the biggest universities here in Copenhagen where we have a education where they actually at some point choose from, do I want to go to the international marketing or international communication? But for me, internal communication is very much about people. So this is about impacting change and impacting people and, and really helping people in doing the best performance, getting the organization to perform, getting the organization to engage in what we do. So I really think the internal communication has that perspective. And it's not like I don't enjoy external communication or marketing, but it's a totally different game in the way that there you go out and you communicate, but you only get a rather blurred picture about and with some delay on how was the result? Do we improve our brand awareness? Do we see our customer satisfaction improve? And was it actually due to the communication? That is so much more direct when you have the internal communication. You get the feedback immediately in your intra flow or from the leaders or in Yammer, you can have discussions. It's about impacting people and really making change happen. And then of course, with internal communication, you quickly get to move around with the big guys of the company as well. So you get access, even not making the decisions yourself, then at least you impact them quite well. It's fun in internal comms, right, Dom? You felt that for years, haven't you? I have, I have. And also, it's always interesting that people say that access to power is, is a very attractive thing as well. That's a common theme, isn't it? And it is. It is fun. Charlotte, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us on this podcast. It's been wonderful to hear your perspectives from over in Denmark. And Dom, I'm sure you'll agree that's been a fascinating conversation for us. It has. Thanks very much, Charlotte. It's been great to get a different perspective on some of the same challenges that we're all facing. Thank you very much for having me here. It was lovely to talk to you guys. It's always good to hear about the increasing importance and standing of internal communications within organizations. And of course, to focus on the most important but rarely noted element of working in internal comms, which is that it's fun. If you'd like to discuss any of these subjects or you have others for us to discuss on the pod, 
please email Jen at jennifer at ioic.org.uk. Thanks for listening.